Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We are so glad you're with us. We're a Bible-based church from Ontario, Canada, and together we're on a mission to reach people far from Christ and see them become devoted followers of Him. Have you ever been in like a large group of people, but you still feel alone? That's what this message is about today. This is part four of We Are the Church, entitled Leaving Loneliness. Uh, we all need friends who, who will encourage us and strengthen us. Do you have friends like that? Well, in this message, we'll learn the importance of our relationship with God and how we can build healthy relationships with others. Because we are the church. So let's leave loneliness behind and grow together. Here's Pastor Nate with part four of the We Are the Church series, Leaving Loneliness. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back. Uh, today we are in week four, the final week of a uh, fall message series that we've been in called We Are the Church. Now, wherever you are this morning, can we all say that together? We are the church. Uh, we really are the church, and the church is not a building, as we've been saying. It's not a corporation. It's not a denomination. It, it's not some big conglomerate. It's not a building. But the church is the people. The church is a community of individuals who are following Jesus. Now, of course, there are Christians all around the world that are part of the global church, that are part of Jesus's church. But when we're talking about the local church, we're talking about a community, a gathering of individuals who are seeking to follow Jesus. And the key word here is together. Uh, this is actually what we see in the book of Acts. Uh, when we open up the book of Acts, we see uh, Jesus ascend into heaven. The Holy Spirit comes and fills his, his people and they begin to gather and they begin to meet and they begin to serve and love one another and they begin to share their faith with the community and they do it together. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 2 beginning in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. You can just, it just sounds like they're together, doesn't it? And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were, and here's that word again, together and had all things in common. This is beautiful. And it goes on to say, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. There was a willingness to sell extra things and give it to those who didn't have. It's beautiful. And day by day, attending the temple, here it is again, together, and breaking bread in their homes. Now, this can refer to them eating meals and sharing meals together, but also to breaking of bread and sharing in the Lord's table and communion, which we're going to do at the end of our time together today. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So there's a lot of things we can say about the early church, the first gathering of Jesus' followers in Jerusalem. And the one thing that we can say about them is there was a lot of togetherness, right? And this is something that we aim to have here at our church, here at Pathway Church. As we gather as a community, we want to get people out of rows, just sitting and listening, and into circles of community. And, and this week, we're actually launching some small groups we're launching Alpha Soon, we have Alpha Marriage, we have uh, mentor groups, we have serving teams, and we're doing everything we can to gather people together into circles, into community, so they can do life and faith together. We want to be a church of togetherness. But in the midst of all this togetherness, we do recognize and acknowledge that there is uh, an issue within the world at large, but also within our own church, and that issue is loneliness. 
Today, I want to talk about loneliness. I believe it's a subject that affects every single one of us. Can we all agree that loneliness is a problem? I think we can. I mean, not, not for me, of course, and probably not for you, but you know, the person near you might uh, struggle with loneliness. The, the facts are quite staggering that many more people than we might imagine are struggling with loneliness. Uh, I joined a loneliness therapy group recently, but nobody showed up. I know it's a, it's a bad joke, uh, and loneliness is no laughing matter, but I had to just uh, see if you guys were awake. Uh, what is loneliness? Let's talk about what it is. Loneliness is, um, is not isolation. We often think that loneliness is, so I'm alone, I'm by myself, and that's isolation, and isolation and loneliness are, are connected, but they're not the same thing. For example, we could take you and put you on a deserted island by yourself. That's called isolation. You could take your child and move them away from the family as a punishment. That's isolation. Loneliness is a feeling of being disconnected and isolated. And they're not the same. You know this because all of us have experienced one of those moments in our lives when we're standing in the midst of a crowd, hundreds of people around us, and everyone's having a great time. And we are not isolated, but we are lonely. We are feeling disconnected. And what I want you to understand today is that loneliness is actually a state of mind. That loneliness is a set of feelings, okay? It's a lack of connection with the people around us. And and all of us struggle with, with loneliness in some way or another. In fact, I would say that loneliness is like this empty cup. This is you without any connection to the people around you. Not feeling seen, not feeling heard, not feeling a part of the community around you. And you just feel empty inside. And we'll use that analogy today as we think about loneliness. Let me share a few statistics about loneliness that might help us all to understand why this is such an important topic. Uh, I was online and I was looking at some of the different facts. Some of them were pretty staggering. Uh, One of them said that um, the impact of loneliness on mortality, okay, is similar to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So this isn't about feeling lonely once in a while, but if you are continuously feeling lonely and dealing with feelings of loneliness, it can have a significant impact on the quality and span of your life. Loneliness can result in a higher likelihood of heart disease, mental health, eating disorders, drug abuse, and so much more. Because when our cup is empty, when we feel a lack of connection and love and relationship, we tend to fill that space with all the wrong things. And it might be alcohol, it might be drugs, it might be a wrong relationship, but it's, it's not good. And ultimately, it affects our lifespan and the quality of our relationships. Before COVID-19, the statistics were uh, that one in five people in the general population struggled with persistent feelings of loneliness. After COVID-19, those numbers have risen to almost one in three, which means that if you're sitting and watching this today with two other people, chances are one of you is feeling persistently lonely, and it can have a serious impact on your life. Uh, Generally speaking, statistics uh, tend to point to the fact that younger people are struggling more with loneliness than older people in general, which is interesting because the older you are, often the more isolated you are because you're limited. You're not able to get to church. You're not able to go to the things you used to be. So you're more isolated, but it's the younger people and the younger generation that feel the most loneliness, which I guess points out to the fact that you can have a hundreds of surface level connections and snaps and, 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 and messages and all that kind of stuff. And none of that can replace two or three genuine, authentic relationships that are real and that go deep, which of course we all need. So our ability to live, our ability to work, communicate, and as a church, our ability to worship is all connected to 
our ability to leave loneliness behind and to move towards a relationship and being together. So one last thing, and then we're going to dive into the scriptures. Okay. Uh, I believe that all of us will experience loneliness. We will. We've all experienced it in the past. We'll all experience it in the future. The question is, will we stay there? The question is, will we sit in the loneliness? The question is, I mean, if you lose a loved one or someone who's close to you abandons you, of course you're going to feel that separation. You're going to feel that loss. You're going to feel lonely. The question is, how long will you stay there? Because as we've been saying, it's not healthy. And as we're going to see today, God has something better for you and for me. So loneliness is directly connected to the condition of our relationships. And I want to talk about two kinds of relationships that we have in our lives. Uh, Both of these are found in Matthew chapter 22. Uh, Many of you will know these passages. It's often preached upon. Um, A religious leader comes to Jesus and asks Jesus this question. Hey, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? The law of Moses had the Ten Commandments, the Big Ten, and then they had all these other commands. And the question is, which is the most important? And Jesus answers the question without hesitation, and he says to the man, Matthew twenty-two thirty-six, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great, and this is the first commandment. So he says, here's what you need to do. Love God. That's a vertical relationship. You and God relationship, number one. Do that. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He continues, and he says this in verse 39. A second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's a horizontal relationship. On these two commands depend all the law and the prophets. So Jesus says, there are two great commandments. Number one, love God first with all of your heart, soul, and mind. Secondly, you have to love your neighbor as yourself. So it's a vertical relationship with God and a horizontal relationship with other people. I talk to people sometimes and they say to me, Nathan, I have a great relationship with God. I pray every morning. I talk to God. Jesus and I, we go for walks in the woods in the fall and we just enjoy time together. Like I am just, God and I are just so tight. And then I say, how are your relationships with your family? Oh, I don't talk to them. I, I, I don't like people. They're annoying, right? So you get this great relationship with God, but your relationship with people is terrible. And that's not ideal as we're going to see today. I talk to other people and they have, maybe they have a solid marriage or maybe they have great friends. Maybe they have good social connections and community. And I say, how's your relationship with God? And they go, it's kind of there. What we're going to see today is that we actually need both. That while our relationship with God ought to come first, it's not the only relationship that God has intended for you and I to live in. He's intended us to live in relationship with him and to be together uh, with the people of God and our family and those around us. So there are these two primary relationships. In Genesis chapter 2, we find the story of the creation of the first human being. And his name is Adam. I'm sure you've heard of him. And uh, God creates the heavens and the earth and the sun and the moon and the stars. And he separates the land and the water. And he creates the animals. And he says, it's good. It's good. It's good. And then he handcrafts the first man. And he calls his name Adam. Now, if you read Genesis 2 very quickly, it would seem at first, at first glance that that. He creates Adam one day and Eve the next day, and then the story continues. But in fact, if you read it carefully, it seems as though there might have been some more time. First of all, God gives to Adam a restriction. Don't eat of that tree, eat of all the rest. God gives Adam a job, right? Keep and tend the garden. He gives to Adam uh, the task of naming all the animals. So Adam's busy. He's doing all these things. 
He's living in relationship with God. He's walking and talking with God in the garden. So there's relationship with God. There's meaning and purpose. All of that stuff is there. And then it says this in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good. This is the first thing that God says is not good. It is not good that the man should be alone. I'll make him a helper fit for him. I'm going to make another human being for him to do life with. And we see right here that God intended for us to have a relationship with him and a relationship with other human beings. And don't get hung up on the word helper, right? Like Adam needed his little helper, Eve, you know, like the powerful man and the helper. No, it wasn't like that. The word helper used here in the Hebrew is actually a word that is used of God helping his people. So it's Adam and Eve, two human beings who are going to live life together and uh, and um, and live in community. So we're created to be in relation with God and with other people. I like to say it this way. If you're watching with someone, you can tell them this. You are not a turtle. I know it's strange. Probably nobody's told you that in a while. You are not a turtle. Here's what I mean. A turtle, mama turtle lays the eggs in the sand. Turtle hatches out of the eggs, makes its way into the lake or the ocean, and begins to fend for itself using nothing but instinct. The turtle will spend most of its life by itself doing turtle things. That's what a turtle does. It's an amphibian. You're a human being. And from the moment you were born, everything inside your body, mind, and soul craved human connection. That little baby, I've seen four children being born, and it's the moment they come out, and they're cold, and they're shivering, and they cry. And what do they do? We put them with the mom, and they just skin on skin, and they listen to mom breathe. And they drink from mom, right? They feed on the mother for a while. They, they need, uh, they need uh, care. And as the child grows, it's like they're comfortable when they hear mom and dad's voice. They, they need to know mom and dad are nearby. That's you and me. From the moment we're born, we crave not only a connection with our creator, but with other human beings. And so you're not a turtle. Tell somebody one more time. You're, you're not a turtle. You're a human being. And we need other people because we are social in the way that God has made us, we need other people. Without other people in our lives, we get weird. And I've said it before, I'm going to keep saying it. We get weird without other... You, you ever see the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks, right? He's on an island for like four or five years by himself. And he just starts getting weird, right? He's got nobody, he's got nobody to talk to. So he, he finds a friend named Wilson, right? The volleyball. And he treats Wilson as if it's another human being, right? Because it's the only way that he can keep his mind sane. We need people in our lives. And whether you're married or single, it doesn't really matter. We still need people. We need people in our lives who will challenge us, encourage us, love us. We need someone to call us out on our crazy junk. Like, why'd you leave a tuna sandwich in the bathroom, right? You need somebody to say, have you had a shower this week? Did you call your mom? Like, we need people in our lives that to challenge us. You know who you are. Uh, we need people in our lives who will challenge us and, and call us out on our junk. And that's just the way we are. Um, here's the thing, though. Without healthy connection to other people, we're, we will be tempted to chase the wrong connections. And I remember seeing this before in high school. A friend of mine was dating someone for a long time, broke up. Within a week, he was dating somebody else. And I remember asking my friend, like, hey, do you actually like this girl? He's like, ah, oh, we'll see. And the more we talked to her, the more we realized it was a rebound situation. He was so used to having someone filling his cup relationally, having someone in his life. that the moment she was gone, he had to find someone else. And the danger is that we will try to fill the void in our hearts, in our lives, the void of loneliness, sometimes by bringing the wrong people into our lives. And I want to warn you, I want to warn you not to, to do that.
So today I want to share um, one more story from you with you from the scriptures. And it's found in John chapter 4. Now this is a lengthy story called The Woman at the Well. And we could preach a whole series of sermons on it about the true meaning of worship, about the reason why Jesus came and all of that. But I want to highlight just a couple of passages. Uh, let me just kind of lead you through the story and then we'll jump in at the verses that we want to take a look at. Uh, Jesus is traveling from one area of Israel to another. And it was required the road took him through the region of Samaria. Samaria is to the north of Israel. Samaria was a place where Jewish people had married people from other nations, adopted some of their religious practices. So they were half Jews. And so the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. They fought about religious and spiritual matters and other things. And so there was a lot of tension between the two groups of people. So Jesus and his disciples are passing through. Jesus stops at a well to rest. And his disciples head into town to get some food. So Jesus is alone at a well, and this woman comes up at noon. And it's interesting that she comes at noon because that's the hottest time of day. It's not the time you want to be hauling a big jug of water. Uh, this woman was obviously a social outcast going at the time of day when no one else would be there. And when she arrives, she runs into Jesus. And, and Jesus begins a conversation with her. She's shocked at the fact that he begins talking to her because he's a Jew and she's a Samaritan. And so um, he asks her for a drink of water. He asks her for a drink of water. And, and, and she's, of course, puzzled by this. Jesus tells her, he says, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you'd ask me and I would give you living water. Of course, she's intrigued and says, well, how are you going to get this living? You don't have a bucket. You don't have a rope. You know, uh, there's no way you're going to be able to draw water out and give it to me somewhere along the line, she must realize he's talking about something else. Jesus goes on to explain that she's going to fill her cup with water that will satisfy her thirst. And it will satisfy only for a moment. And then the next few hours or the next day, you're going to be thirsty again because that water will only satisfy for a short period of time. But he says, I will give you living water. And that living water will be within you and it will come up at like a spring of living water within you, bubbling up into eternal life. And she's like, what are you talking about? If you've ever dug a hole, um, sometimes you're digging a hole with a machine, a backhoe, and all of a sudden water just starts filling. You hit a spring and that water comes up from underneath the ground. Jesus says, you're coming here to get water to quench your thirst, but I can give you water that will be a spring of life inside of you. So she's trying to figure out what this is all about. And so Jesus says this, John uh, 14 verse 16. Jesus says to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus says to her, you're right in saying you have no husband for you have had five husbands. Count them. One, two, three, four, five, five husbands. And the one, the man you're with now is not your husband. What you have said is true. This is crazy. As Jesus is saying this, I have to imagine in the back of his mind, he's thinking wrong. Well, Wrong well. This woman is obviously searching for something. Maybe she's looking for love. Uh, maybe she's looking for compassion. Maybe she's looking for someone to care. About. Who knows? But she has, she's on man number six. And you know, um, each and every one of us, like the woman at the well, uh, are in danger of seeking from people what only God can give to us. Seeking from people what only God can provide. Uh, we are tempted to look for our uh, identity in our job. 
We are, um, we are going to be tempted to look for our sense of love and accomplishment in our kids, in our work. We are going to look for unconditional love in a, a man, a woman, a spouse. And these are things that only God can provide. And what happens is if we're not careful, we are looking for the things that will fill our cup and we're looking to get them from other people. This is clearly what the woman at the well was doing but I'm willing to bet that you and I do it as well. I've often explained it this way. I'll, I'll share this analogy with you. I've shared it before in the church and I often share it with couples who are getting married, right? So here's the woman at the well. She is empty. She's lonely. She needs love. And she finds, let's say, a man who can give it to her. And so she says, I need your love. I need you to fill me up. I'm lonely. I'm without connection. And this person says, okay. And they begin to pour. They pour their love. They pour their attention. They pour their affection. They pour their resources in. And all of a sudden... No longer lonely, no longer feeling disconnected, no longer feeling unloved. What's the problem? The problem is this person has emptied themselves. And in every good relationship, there's reciprocation, right? And so this person goes, yeah, I need something from you now. And so she says, okay. And she starts pouring back. And this is a game that can continue for weeks, months, years, and decades. And this is the danger, of course, of, of modern love and romance, right? We read these, watch these movies or read these books. And people are like, you complete me. And it sounds so good. It's so romantic. But what we're really saying is, I need you to fill me up and make my life great. And without you, I'm empty. And that's dangerous. And the dangerous reason why it's dangerous is because we are dependent on another person to meet our deepest needs. And no person is able to meet our deepest needs other than Jesus. And so I often tell people, hey, <laughs> this is not a good situation, right? when you are needing someone else to fill you up, because you can do this for about a decade in marriage, and next thing you know, the well is dry. Both have nothing left to give. It doesn't work. And so we need to, we need to find a new well. We need to find a source of love. We need to find a source of, of um, compassion and forgiveness that is outside of human beings, which is why, by the way, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Instead of me taking my empty cup of loneliness and looking for my wife, my kids, the church, my small group to fill my cup, I'm going to actually turn to God, who is the only source of unending love. And he fills my cup, and I pour it on the floor. And now I have something to give to my friends, my family, my small group, because I'm actually deriving my sense of love and care from God, and then I have something to give to others. It's always interesting to me how uh, David, in Psalm 23, many of you know it, he says, um, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And then he goes on to say that you seat me down at a table in the presence of my enemies. Okay, so surrounded by enemies, everyone's trying to take his life, take everything from him, and what does he say? My cup runneth over. And what's David saying? David is saying that no matter what happens around me, God is my source. And I'm looking to him for love, acceptance, protection, and everything that I need. And it's only then, it's when we receive from God the things that we need, that we are able to pour our love and affection into others relationally and, uh, and see overflow in our church. I hope this is making sense. So here's, here's what I'm trying to say to you. When it comes to loneliness... We feel lonely because there's a lack, a lack of connection, 
a, a lack of uh, people listening to us, a lack of care. And, and sometimes we're looking for people to fill our cup. And what we need to do is look to God to fill our cup so that we have something to give. You'll notice what God says is he says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he doesn't say, go get love. Go get friends to be friendly to you. He says, go and love your neighbor. We have to have something to bring to those around us. So I want to get practical because we're talking about loneliness today. And you're like, "That's, that's really great theological truth. I feel challenged by it. But can we be practical? And the answer is yes. I was listening to a message recently by Dr. Charles Stanley, who went to be with the Lord earlier this year. And uh, he actually had a, a message on loneliness where he asked three practical questions. And I want to end today by asking these questions to you. The first question is this, what am I doing that is promoting loneliness in my life? The assumption is that I'm lonely because other people don't care enough. But it's probably a good question to ask what am I doing that is promoting loneliness? Is this a season I'm in? Did I just lose a loved one? Did I just move to a new community where I know nobody? Then loneliness might be expected. But if not, maybe there's something I'm doing. Maybe I've been going to the wrong well. Maybe I've been expecting the person I'm dating to fill my soul instead of God. Maybe I'm expecting my kids to be my source of meaning instead of God. So maybe it's a source problem. Maybe my cup's empty because I'm trying to get everyone to fill it instead of going to the only one who can fill my cup. Maybe that's the source of the problem. Or maybe it's way more practical. Maybe you're just not friendly, okay? I want to give you a challenge. Here's something you can do this week. You can put this into practice. Wherever you go, look people in the eye, smile, and say hello. Like that's it. You're walking around your neighborhood and you see someone, just smile. Hello. If you go to church, smile. Hi there. Introduce yourself. You go, well, I, I, don't, I don't do that, Nathan. I'm an introvert. Yeah, I know. And you, you come to church or you go to work and you're like, nobody talks to me. And you're standing over in the corner staring into your coffee. And if you're not looking people in the eye and smiling, then what you're communicating to other people is, I don't want to talk. I don't want to be your friend. So it's something as simple as looking people in the eye and smiling. Have you ever noticed you're in a doctor's office waiting? Everyone's on their phone. And then you look up and someone's staring at you. It's really weird, right? You be the weird person. Look someone in the eye, start a conversation. I know it's hard, but guess what? It works. So smile and say hi. We often want other people to, see, we, we feel lonely because nobody invited us to dinner. Nobody came over and said hi to us. Nobody, uh, nobody reached out to check on us. But let me ask you a question. When was the last time you invited someone to your house? When was the last time you asked somebody how they're doing? When was the last time you walked up and introduced? Or how often is it that you're standing with your three close friends, ignoring the new person? So we all, we all do it all the time. And so if we don't want to be people who are constantly lonely, we need to, we need to put ourselves out there and be friendly. I know that's a super, you're like, that's not even theological, but it's true. And I'm inviting you to do it. Here's the second question he asks. Is this the way I want to spend the rest of my life? If you're happy, feeling empty and lonely all the time, I guess that's fine. Your life will be short. You might as well take up smoking. Uh, Maybe I shouldn't say that, but it's not healthy. It's not good for you. It's not good for your soul. You will not thrive. And so is that the way you want to be? And you probably would say to me, no, that's not what I want. Well, then you're going to have to be willing to take some steps. Joining a small group is hard and engaging with it is hard. Don't show up and just sit in the corner and say nothing. Engage. Ask people how they're doing. 
Introduce yourself. Share something that's vulnerable and difficult. This is how relationship works and how it opens up. So if you don't want to be there for the rest of your life, you're going to have to take some action. I know it's scary, especially if you've been hurt, especially if your cup is empty. But I'm telling you, if you go to God and ask him to fill your cup, if you ask him to help you to make new relationship and friends that will be meaningful, I know that's a prayer he will always answer. Here's the the third and final question, and then we're going to wrap it up. Am I cultivating relationships that will be an asset in my life? If your four closest friends are all empty cups that are expecting you to fill it, care for this one, give encouragement to that one, show up for that one, and that's beautiful. I'm glad you're being a loving friend, but you're going to find yourself with an empty cup. You're going to find yourself lonely if you don't have anyone pouring back into you. Part of being the church, right? Part of being the church, a community that's together, is that those who have give to those who don't. So if you are doing well, and if you are, are strengthened and encouraged, then you can turn and strengthen and encourage others. But we've got to have people who are pouring into us, right? This has to be reciprocal. And so I, I want to encourage you to, 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 to take a close look at the friends, the people and the relationships that you are investing in, because you need to have some people you're investing in and some people who are investing in you. It makes the whole thing work. We are the church. We are the church. We're on mission together. We support, encourage, and love one another. And we do this thing called relationship together. Uh, Loneliness will happen, but we don't have to stay lonely. We don't have to sit in it. Uh, We can turn to our God and Savior, and we can share what we have with one another so that we can leave loneliness in the dust. Can I pray for you? Father, thank you for every person listening to this message today. And uh, my heart goes out to those who have been left behind who are lost in loneliness. And I pray, God, that in this moment, they would sense your comfort and your peace, that they would know that you truly are with them and you will never leave or forsake them. But God, I pray that you would also give them the courage to take small steps in the direction of pursuing relationships with others that will be helpful and healing as they move forward. God, I pray that our church will be a community of welcoming and friendly people, that we would see the needs of others and that our cups would be so full that we would be ready to overflow onto those who have need around us. Help us in this way, God. Help us to leave loneliness in the dust by pursuing you and loving our neighbor as ourself. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, that's it from us. Thank you so much for joining. Please stay connected with us. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's Pathway Church PTBO. Hey, God is at work in this world, and we feel so blessed that we get to be part of what he is doing. Have a great day wherever you're at, and we hope to see you soon.